Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Catfish Corner podcast. I'm here, I'm Paul Scarmina, the Predators beat writer for the Tennessee, and joined by columnist Gentry Estes. We uh, were among, I don't know, a couple hundred people at Bridgestone last night for the first hockey game there in more than 10 months. Uh, Predators beat the Blue Jackets 3-1, to one, and we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that, what to uh, expect this season, and, and what kind of what the atmosphere was was like last night at Gentry. It was just good to see li- a live sporting event. Uh, it's been it's been a while. I know we've done some Titan stuff, but hockey hasn't been in Nashville since last March. And, um, you know, despite the empty arena, which was really eerie, uh, we were able to actually see some real-life hockey going on. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, there's no doubt. I think you kind of knew going in. And th- this one, you know, I've, I've gone to Titans games without fans and the, the Nashville SC games without fans and college football. This was the saddest to me because you know what it's like in there. You know the kind of crowds. They always get the kind of atmosphere they always have. You know, and, they, and look, they tried. The fans that were there, they they tried the chants. You, you heard a little bit of that. The the Preds cranked up the, the PA system. They played the music real loud. They They kept trying to do things like the crowd meter and let's get loud. But I mean, look, it's, it is what it is. They, they piped in kind of a weird background noise. So I think part of it too, Gentry is there, you know, they, they, as everybody probably already knows by now, they were approved to have a, a limited capacity of 15%. I think it was. Um, and they have declined to allow fans in because I guess they want to get their protocols in, in a better place. And I, I went through a whole presentation from the team about all the, all the things that are in place and they hope to have fans by mid February. I think a lot of what you're seeing there is just them preparing for when fans come. I don't. I don't necessarily think they're trying to to pump up the two or three hundred people in the crowd. Uh, so much as it is, you know, uh, a training camp for them to kind of get to get everything in kind of in place for when the fans do come back. You know, and, and we don't know. I mean, as we've learned with this whole pandemic, I mean, we never know. Things could could change by the minute. But you know, I, I thought overall, visually, optically, it was it was weird. I mean, you know, just seeing. The seats cover, but I do think hockey kind of presents itself more than any other sport without fans, at least from a TV perspective, which I think hockey is the worst sport to watch on TV. But I think it's the least affected by, you know, no fans being there for the viewing experience, um, you know, and, and, and players will tell you, too, they don't they don't necessarily hear the fans, uh, you know, all the time when they're on the ice because they're so focused. But it definitely was you know, for, for being one of the toughest places to play, you know, every year by visiting teams, you know, in, in different polls, uh, you know, I, I think home ice advantage goes away <laughs> this season because we're not, I don't think we're going to see anywhere at full capacity. So, you know, the, the product on the ice is what what's going to matter. What we saw from the Predators last night, one game, can't judge a lot from it, but they looked, there was a different feel to this, to this team. And what, what I mean by that is I think that they had – I think they had 20, 20 block shots or something like that last night. You know, they were out there hitting guys. They were, they were just being, being responsible, playing really good defense, you know, and, and grinding it out against a good, a good Columbus team, you know, and with the schedule being what it is, I mean, they're going to play two game series, 28, two game series, basically all in the, in the division. So you have to have that toughness, which I think the predators and that physicality, not necessarily for fighting, but just, you know, hitting and the, and the blocking the shots and, and, and those kinds of things. It felt a little different last night. And some of the new guys that came along, Mark Borowitzki, Eric Halla, you know, Matt Benning, Nick Cousins, guys like that, made an immediate impact. A few things I liked out of this. I, they concede the early goal. It's the kind of situation where they, 
they would have tanked a little bit in the past. You know, they would they would have had trouble responding from that. They seem to respond fine from it. I felt like, you know, I I, I like that that UC Soros had such a good debut. H- had that gone the other way and he just come out rusty and had been terrible, you would have already started hearing the whole, well, maybe Pekka should still be the number one. I mean, you, you, that would have already started in had he come out with a poor performance, which he didn't. He played well. You know, as I wrote, I, I think the goal that Forsberg scored early in the third period to take the lead was was the play of the game and the kind of thing that that the Predators need him to do. He has a he has a special quality to him that we haven't seen enough of. The ability to change a game with a singular moment of brilliance like that. I like that probably as much as anything to get him started on you know what the Preds need to be a a, a significant upgrade from what he was producing last year, but but perhaps a career breakout kind of year for him. He's due for that. He is. I mean, he's, he's shown flashes of, he had the lacrosse goal last season, which, which was his worst season with the Predators overall. Uh, but I, you know, to me, last season is kind of a wash in a lot of ways because, you know, not, not only COVID, but there were a lot of injuries, you know, they were the, the that Joe Feline was not playing together a lot last season because of, of various injuries to different guys and, and other guys forced move around the lineup. One thing that, can't be overlooked from last night. We brought up Saros, who, who played great. I think he had 29 saves, made some really spectacular saves. It was the fact that that was the first time since 2009, I think, that, that Pekka did not start a season opener for the Predators. And, and he hasn't played in a game for the Predators in more than 10 months or about 10 months or whatever. I think it's, it's more than 10 months now. You know, he didn't play during the, the return to play it last summer. But he will be playing because of the nature of the schedule and the condensed schedule. There, there's there's four games in six days, it seems like, every week. He's going to play, and they're going to need him. I, I think it was a little bit weird with the no fans and Pekka not there, you know, not playing. He's, you know, sitting on the bench wearing a, a face mask. and and But you see, you know, they, they need that performance on him. But, yes, they do, you know, there's been no secret. The Predators need – the Philip Forsbergs and the Ryan Johansons and the Victor Arvidsons and the Matt Duchesnes to, to play up to their contracts. And that wasn't the case last year. You know, I would argue last year, the only really good player on the team last year was Roman Yossi. I mean, everybody else kind of had a down year, if not a career worst year. So, you know, things can only go up, you would imagine, uh, but they're in a tough division. I mean, they got the two Stanley cup finalists from last year in Tampa and Dallas uh, in the division Columbus is going to be tough. Carolina is going to be tough. You know, and then, and then there's some bottom feeders that you would assume would be bottom feeders this year with the Detroits and the Chicago's and whatnot. But it's not going to be an easy season. But I, I, you know, I don't like to jump to conclusions. But, you know, based on what we've seen, and you can't judge much from camp, I mean, they just, like I said in, in, in the beginning, they just, the look and the feel is different. Like you say, they didn't, they didn't collapse after they gave up a goal and, 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 you know, start trying to compensate or, or hang their heads. They, they just kept to their game plan and, and eventually it paid off. And, and like you said, yeah, the Forsberg goal was huge. They're going to need a lot of goals like that from him and the, you know, and the other guys I mentioned uh, this season, and, and that's going to be important for them if, if they're going to, if they're going to be contenders. Did anything really surprise you from any of the new guys, the guys you hadn't, hadn't seen with the Preds yet? It's hard to be surprised because you just didn't really get to see a lot in camp. I mean, I, I wasn't surprised, but I was. I think the Predators are going to be very pleased with their new uh, third D pairing with Borowetsky and and Benning. 
a significant upgrade. That was a humongous weakness in the team last year. And you think, oh, it's just a third D pairing. I mean, that's why they're the third D pairing because they're not, you know, otherwise they'd be, they'd be you know, these guys who fill these roles would be playing bigger minutes. But, you, you know, those two guys played a lot on the penalty kill last night, which was a huge weakness for the Predators last season. Uh, they were very strong on the penalty kill. You know, those guys aren't going to go out there. I, th- I think Borowetsky had a secondary assist on, on one of the goals, but they're not going to produce a lot of points for you, but that's not their job. And, and what they did last night was they went out there and they, you know, they, they kind of kept the game in check. And that's really all you can ask for, for from, from a pairing like that. And that's going to be important for the Predators this year because it was a revolving door with Ham Hughes and Weber and, you know, uh, Matt Irwin last year and, and some other guys, and, and they couldn't ever settle on it. I think they've found a solution that, you know, is going to make a, more of a difference than people might realize. So when Granlund comes back, he's probably on that second line with, uh, with, with Duchesne and Coonan. I would imagine that would be the case. You know, again, it's going to, you know, we, I don't even know if he's here yet or on his way yet. He's going to have to quarantine. He's going to miss at least the first four games, if not more than that. Uh, and if the second line is playing well, which it did last night, I mean, it was probably their best line overall. You maybe see Granlin slip on the third or fourth line. And you know what? People are going to, you know, guys are going to go down. People are going to get hurt. We don't know what's going to happen with COVID. So I think that's a good problem for them to have with Granlin, who, you know, by the way, has struggled since he was acquired by the Predators originally in the Fiala trade. But he's played a lot better under John Hines. I think John Hines trusts him a lot more than Peter Lavalette did. Um, but that, that's going to be a wait and see thing. And that's going to be, a, I think, a bonus for them to have a player of that, that caliber and capability and not know what to do with them. They'll be in a good place when he gets here if they don't know what to do with him. You know, one question I would have on this is, and I've wondered this, you hear so much about the Jofa line and everybody's so excited about those guys. And you heard it uh, before the, 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 the play-in series in August too. And so here's my question. If it's so great and they want to play together and everyone loves it so much, why do they ever get away from it? Well, injuries. And I think, you know, at least when, before John Hines got here, some of it had to do with, trying to get other lines going. That was really, uh, it's kind of one of those things. That it's it's a double-edged sword, right? You have this line that works so well together, but then if other lines are doing nothing, sometimes you have to take, shake things up and take those guys, because if that's all that they can depend on is that one line, they're never going to get anywhere. So I think what they try to do is move Forsberg, you know, see if he can get the second or second line going or, or moving Arvidsson down in the lineup a little bit to see if he can get, you know, he can get some other guys going. So I think it's, you know, the old cutting off your nose to spite your face thing. And last year, like I said, it was they were just ravaged by injuries last year. You know, Johansson never had a steady line. You know, Arvidsson was hurt and Forsberg was hurt. And you, you get these injuries and, and you, you're forced to change the lineup. Now, if they had their way and other guys like Duchesne, Granlin, and on down the line were producing like they should, they wouldn't have to move the Jofa line around when everyone's healthy. So – when when they've been together, the most is when they've been at their best, and I you know I think you couldn't argue that they're they're by far, you know last season the third line was the Predators' best line, and, and you can't that's just unacceptable with with the roster the, the way the Predator you know the Predators have. Yes, yeah, so some good signs in the first game for sure, but you know I I want to. I want to see what happens when there's some adversity. I, w- I want to see what happens when, when there are those injuries and things start 
going against them. If you remember last year, Paul, they 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 came out like gangbusters last season. I mean, they they were probably the you could make a case the best hockey they played all season was what they did in the first month of the season. Certainly for Pekka. Yeah, and Pekka's always traditionally been a a, a a good you know good at the beginning of the season, and UC not so much. So. You know, but again, this is a di- everything's so different. You know, the, the, everything's starting. You know, can't they're starting the season in the middle of January, and it's going to be, you know, regular season will be over in May, and then you got playoffs after that, and, and the realigned divisions, and you know, it's it's hard to gauge because yes, it's a regular season. It's and it, 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 but it's very similar to last season in terms of it's not a full season. Everything is kind of run amok. So I think just getting that, you know, that's where David Poyle changed his, his offseason philosophy and said, you know, instead of going younger, we need to get tougher. We need to, you know, try to just get through this season, sign the guys to a bunch of one-year contracts and see see what happens. But, you know, again, they have another game. Uh, you know, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. Uh, they have another game on, on Saturday and then Monday and Tuesday again, and then they go on the road to, to Dallas, uh, which, by the way, uh, it's 17 players test positive, and they, the beginning of their season was delayed. So we're already seeing COVID take its impact, have its impact, uh, you know, before the season or even starts. So who knows where it's going to go? You know, I, I just think from what, what I've seen, the limited amount of what I've seen in camp and, and you know, in the game last night and kind of how they handle things, it's a good sign, but it's nothing you can put too much stock into. Yep, that's, uh, that's about all I've got. At least one game into the season. Hopefully we'll we'll do some more of these podcasts as we go and, and learn more. It's just you get so you get so worked up for it's like baseball you get so worked up for opening day and and then there's like 180 thousand <laughs> more games left <laughs> like, so but this season's going to go by fast gentry and, and we'll definitely we'll be getting together soon and hopefully we'll be able to uh, in the coming episodes we'll be able to share you know some some unlike in the past we won't be able to get player interviews exclusively because of the access but we will get some player voices on here in in, in the near future and. That'll do it for this edition of Catfish Corner. We hope you'll subscribe to thetennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to to subscribe to your podcasts. For Gentry Estes, I'm Paul Scarbina. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.